0: Um, last time with the um, advice that, that um, you gave me, um, you're actually not the first person to mention it, but you're the first person to mention it to me in the way that you did. It was more um, mind-opening to me um, yeah. in a sense. A lot of people did just kind of say it in an undermining tone, you know, and he's not the only person i have given, you know, some advice about on, on the whole China situation, So I was very happy when you actually told me that and just kind of opened my mind a little bit. I was thinking, huh, actually I can do that. And you have. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Welcome to Career Plus. This is your host, Baraket Kaluli, and you're listening to a powerful conversation about creating a career built around freedom, impact, and profit. Hello, Jermaine. Okay, it's great to be with you.
0: Great to be with you again. Great to see you. I'm very happy uh, uh, for our second session. Um, this is a, an honor, in my opinion, to to finally uh, be able to speak with you again. I know you're normally very busy, and um, I'm trying to stay as busy as possible, trying to find
1: more work and more opportunity
0: for myself. So yes, thank you so much. Um, it's great being here today.
1: Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to. It. We we talked before uh, about a week ago, and uh, uh, I'm expecting that we're going to find some really good insights uh, already. You've been sharing maybe, with me some of the great stories already. And uh, and just to give people a sense of where you're at, uh, you're in Vietnam now. You're someone who's uh, born and raised in the States, but for several years, living abroad, working abroad, starting businesses abroad, most recently in Asia. And at this point, you've... Uh, You're now in Vietnam. You're looking for new opportunities, looking kind of in transition. And uh, we were chatting a little bit about, you know, just kind of your background, your skills, your experience. And, uh, you know, just uh, you're at the stage now where you're just looking for, you know, what's that next step? So uh, but uh, that's just kind of the brief synopsis. But anything else you want to just kind of throw in there as well? Yes, yes, yes. So, um,
0: yeah, I was actually um, very happy um, speaking with you last time. It was interesting when you actually mentioned to me about uh, making getting into the career field of like a business guy. And because I've had experience of um, being in, in China, especially for such a quite quite a long time, um, it was very interesting. Actually, last time that we spoke, I thought about what you said. And so many people in the past, they would mention this to me but they didn't really emphasize it in a way that was making me noticeable about the um, situation. So um, um, actually, after we spoke last time, the very next day, I spoke with um, a friend of mine. His name is Robert. He's from California. Uh, But now he's currently in um, uh, mainland China. He's in uh, Shenzhen. So it was actually very interesting. Um, I ended up giving him some business advice, and it was actually last year, and uh, we both we met in spain i was on i was on on a business trip uh for two weeks in spain and when i went there um just one day i was just um uh, trying to catch a taxi and um i had a t-shirt and it said ukraine on it but it was written in the ukrainian language and he saw it and we're both you know just kind of trying to give each other you know access to, to the first taxi but we never up striking up a conversation and he told me about the business idea that he had he was trying to open it up in, in Spain. But later as we got into speaking and we went for coffee and everything, but um I ended up telling him that his business idea would not be too successful in my opinion in Spain, but actually be more successful in mainland China. So if we now fast forward up until now recently, so recently he's been in China for two two months and he's already set up his business now in mainland China. And I was actually very proud of him. And we had a conversation, um, you know, after our conversation. And I was just checking up on to see how was everything going, what type of difficulties was he having at the moment. And then give him a little bit more advice and things like that. And then he said he was very thankful for the situation. And he said that, you know, now that I've helped him, you know, if, if I would like any help and I want to come back to China or anything like that, he's to be more than willing to help me. So, yes, I thank you so much for this.
1: Yeah. And, and to give people a sense, too, of your, uh, your experience, Ukraine was also another country that you lived in for some time. Yes. Tell us, a little, tell me everyone a little bit more about that.
2: All
0: right. So, yes, actually, I was in, I was in Ukraine and Russia.
1: So mm-hmm. I,
0: I did nine years in China and then I went to Russia. I was in Russia uh, for a good two years and then I ended up coming back to China. But then when I came back to China, I was back and forth to Ukraine. So I did from Ukraine and Ukraine um, and Russia, I guess, from the political standpoint, it's a little bit disappointing to me to actually see this war because uh, both sides are actually very good to me. And it's, it was very, it was very surprising because you always hear, you know, like in movies like John Wick or so forth, you know, Russian mafia or something like that, like just horrible people or something like that. But actually the people are very kind to me, very family oriented and uh, very, just, just very kind in general. So I actually enjoyed my, my experience there. And then when it comes to um, Russia, I was really in Russia for, for study. So I went to Vladivostok, uh, Russia, and it's mm, closer towards North Korea. It's nor- more in that area, uh, towards the um, east uh, portion of, of Russia. And um, I was only there for, for for study. But in Ukraine, I went there and I teamed up for, with a partner. And we both invested into uh, the um, coffee business. And we had a coffee shop there. I was um, like forty percent owner of the business, and I would make make two trips a year back to Ukraine just to kind of uh, make changes to the business if needed, and pick up money, you know, and collect the bills, see if there's any more type of uh, expansion uh, opportunities, and then also I had a partnership with the um, um, training school uh, in in Ukraine. So this training school, what we did was we set up where um the school would recruit teachers for me they would do the whole interview or the first portion of the interview process for me i would do the second portion of the interview process because the school was um uh, based in ukraine so the local ukrainians had more of a trust for it because there's a lot of scamming um situations in ukraine where they people from like romania or whatever like you know about romania and the the scam uh, situation but anyhow they'll scam Going to come into Romania for like um, sex trade and things like that. And because I was looking for female teachers, a lot of people are very worried about that. Maybe I'm advertising as a teaching job, but once I grab the girls, I enforce them into sex labor or something like that. So, having a um, legit school to back me, it was easier for me to bring teachers from Ukraine to mainland China and then work in my school. So, that was the partnership that that, that I had at the time and uh, it
1: would work that very
0: well but you know um the, the well, city- and that speaks to
1: that and uh so the, you had the cafe in ukraine and uh and then you had also the school in china and school so- in china and then my teachers were coming in from from, from, from ukraine yeah, exactly. Right. exactly and and of course the war has been affecting you also in terms of your business too right of course of course yes and, uh
0: brutally <laughs> to be honest brutally yeah. Because uh, last year, I forget what, what month the war started. I was in March or April, somewhere around that time. Mm-hmm. But I was in bad sleep. I heard my phone just, just vibrating because I put it on vibrating at night when I'm sleeping. It woke me up because it's continuously vibrated. And then I just check my message. And I just have all these messages from people in Ukraine saying that they were being attacked at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very scary morning morning for me.
1: Yes, because and, you have people and you, you build connections right absolutely absolutely so and i mean the war kind of touches you personally in terms of your work and you've been there you live there um mm-hmm. you've spoken with people there uh, and, and that's another thing too language wise uh you're someone who's a bit of a polymath when it comes to language right and all these countries you pretty fluent in all of them right if i'm not mistaken uh,
0: da, da, da. Yeah,
1: so, you know, the languages, you've lived there, you know, the culture, you know, the people you've worked uh, and studied and uh, run businesses in, in multiple countries. So this is kind of the experience that you have. And, and as you told me, you said that you have you've always had this kind of entrepreneur bug since going back to childhood, going back to your teen years. Yes, so, yes, that's, yeah. that's,
0: that's correct. That's correct. I've been um, essentially really in business since since the second grade um, when I was a <laughs> young child. Um, uh, back in the early 90s, um, so what, uh, action figures was a very popular thing. That's before the whole video game boom really started. You know, PlayStation and all that started. So young children at that time, they they played with action figures. So it was very difficult for a lot of students to get um, action figures because um, the concepts in the U.S. was you normally buy toys for your children, what, Christmas, birthday, maybe summer holiday. That's around the time that you normally get toys. Yeah. And I was bringing action figures, brand new, still inside of this, you know, package and everything, to school. And what I would basically do was I would tell the students, you know, um, just get money for me. And, you know, you bring the money to me. But my mom would take me to, to take me to Toys R Us every weekend. So it was easy. And I was <laughs> get $20, buy five, three or four action figures, sorry, three or four action figures, because they were like $5 a piece. And then I'd bring them back to school to sell them for 6 or $7. I was making profit. They're very nice profitable business. That's second grade. <laughs> so,
1: said, yeah, that's interesting because I mean, you at that stage you saw the the opportunity, you know, yes, you, you yes. made that connection in your mind and you, that that yes. intuition there kicked in. Exactly. So
0: a, and I lost that business because um, I got caught in, in school. <laughs> by, by by third grade, I got caught in school. Uh, my teacher called my parents. My parents they they whipped my butt about that about the situation. I lost yeah. the
1: business. <laughs> Regulatory, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of exposure there, right? Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Interesting. interesting. So, uh, yeah, and so, so for the last few years, then uh, you have this really valuable exp- and unique experience uh, from what you shared with me. Having, and like you said, you've lived uh, in China. You visited there. You've lived there. You've uh, worked there. You've started a business there, and so you have a really unique uh you know experience there's things that you've learned and um uh, and done that uh really sets you apart and uh and so, which makes you really valuable and at the moment you're in Vietnam so then now let's uh and we started kind of you had a different idea at first initially right you moved to, you came to Vietnam you're, and you're, you had another idea about uh, starting up a business there, right? Looking at import and export.
0: So my, my original idea, because I've only been here in Vietnam now now six months, mm-hmm. and the idea was come here, find work first, learn the market, mm-hmm. figure out where am I valuable at, mm-hmm. um, get an understanding of Vietnam, maybe the culture, business um, situation or work situation here, and then after maybe a year or two, then go into business. I just feel is that business and culture are always combined. Um, you can't really just come to another, another country with your old ideals and just move into this this country and just think that you'll easily maneuver. And I think a lot of people make that, that mistake. They do business, let's say for example, the American way, um, or you know, even like product designs sometimes, or the way that you will service someone. So like for example. Um, we have the, the, the custom in, in Western countries. We say, make yourself feel at home, right? We invite someone into our home, into our business. We say, them, make yourself feel at home. And that basically means that person who who is entered, they can freely move around, maybe grab themselves a glass of water or a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever. Just kind of help yourself. You know, you put some things on the table. That's kind of the tradition in, in Western countries. Actually, in Asia, it's a little bit different. I know Korea and China are, are this way. Um, so... Normally, you should invite the guest in. They will come, sit down, you know, at a uh, place. Normally, um, when you have them seated in, you should have their back to to the entrance. Their back should be towards the entrance because you're the owner of this facility or the business, home, or whatever. So you want to be able to see who's coming in at whatever time. And they have this custom in China. Chinese is called feng shui. And feng shui is a a form of um, what they consider to be business luck or money luck is what they really consider it, money luck. Mm -hmm. So you want to see who's coming in and who's bringing in money or fortune into your home or business and so forth. Uh, but it's also uh, done that way, it also, it's shown as a power position. And then, lastly, it lets whoever's walking in know this is the owner, this is the guest, and then whoever is the guest, you would normally treat them as a guest. So, uh, for example, if I have a guest, if you're my guest, when you come to a place, I don't say make yourself at home, I, I sit you down, treat you kindly, and then I serve you. I will service you. So, I bring tea to you or coffee to you, and people prefer it that way. And in China, if you tell someone "Make yourself at home," they actually will feel very offended by that,
1: yeah, that makes sense because my parents uh, were born in Ethiopia, and it's the same thing in that culture as well where the host has this kind of social and almost moral obligation you know to, yes. to provide for you know the guest and yes. so, yeah it's yeah it's like the obligations already on you, it's not um. You know yeah make yourself at home because it's not that's not the problem there you know that's yeah. not how you show trust you know familiarity you know and the funny thing is too and certainly sort of as one aspect of Ethiopian culture is um, you're supposed to kind of it's, it's kind of a funny dance where the host is supposed to offer and the guest is supposed to kind of um, um reject it in a in a sense uh, or okay. not okay. jump at the first offer. Yes, 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 yes. That's <laughs> correct. That's correct. Yes. And, yeah. And and, the, the, funny, and the, the funny thing is like when sometimes when people come to your home, even even if you don't have something, you're supposed to offer something, even if you have nothing to offer. And so yes. it's kind of a funny dance, you know? <laughs> <And> <laughs> you're like, what do you do? You know, I remember when our parents were trying to explain this to us and it's like, well, what do you do if you have nothing? And and they want something that's like, you know, you're kind of, and, and you it kind of just kind of multiple rounds to this. You kind of like what you're saying with your friend, take you know, not wanting to jump in and take the cab. Uh, in the same way, like you don't, uh, you know, you kind of go through multiple rounds of making the offer yes, you kind yes. of force, the, gently force them into taking, you know, your service. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very different idea. Very different culture. Yes. With people. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. So, but
0: I, but it's it's also this this connection of culture that also yes. makes people open up. And I think, in my opinion, that's why I have an understanding of culture. And then, even if you don't, even if you cannot speak the language fluently or anything, just to use a gesture of, of a simple hello, thank you, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. language is very, very helpful. People feel that you're um, you're putting in effort. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're so you're getting acclimated to the Vietnam, the culture. business?
0: Yes, culture. yes, yes. I think uh, Vietnamese culture. I think over the years, you know, with um, influence from different countries, um, Vietnam just does not feel it doesn't feel like I'm really in Asia. I I don't get a sense of that, that foreign Asian feel. Mm. I feel, um, you know, people have, they like to play sports like like we do. Uh, They don't really have their own sport or their own game. Uh, When you're in taxis or in restaurants, you hear a lot of Western music. You don't really hear Vietnamese music. Mm. And then they've taken up on themselves to Westernize themselves that, when they meet you, there's not really this Vietnamese culture. It's like there's not this clash of Vietnamese culture versus Western culture. They come to you very Westernized. They mm-hmm. come to you, with a handshake and hello, sir, and how are you, and and so forth. So I feel, in a sense, I feel, in a sense, the Vietnamese are what I would say eighty percent American and twenty percent mm-hmm. Vietnamese. It's it's that culture. It's um very very Westernized.
2: Okay.
1: Okay. Now, when we last spoke, yeah, you told me that you, you know, the plan, and as you mentioned, you know, you moved to Vietnam. The idea was to get your feet wet there, get kind of settled in and familiar with the place, and you had you had an idea about uh, you know what you want to pursue there, uh, and then you know I threw out an idea, of course, as you know, as you kind of alluded to earlier, but I was kind of curious about since we last spoke, um, well, and you shared, I mean, you've reflected that. You've already kind of already done started to do this a little bit with the business yes. advice. but so um so where so where does that sit at this point after having to, you know, a few days to All come, right. like, so
0: yeah. Um, yeah, i've I've spoken with a few people. I did hold a um, meeting um, last week, which just basically it was a business meeting, but it was with a lot of um, Asian Americans. And they're not only like from Korea, Japan, China. Uh, maybe even Vietnam, I don't think there was any Vietnamese in the last meeting, and basically I connected with them, and these are people who want to do trade with countries like um,
2: uh,
0: Vietnam and China, but mainly people who are looking to work with, um, among with, through, through through China, and um, basically just kind of sharing with them advice about how to kind of go about this and so forth. So I'm just trying to just kind of, as you say, get your feet wet and just feel it out, see what is it like, but um, simultaneously, I normally deal with a lot of people. I had um, dinner last night with a lawyer, speaking with him. He's um, here in Vietnam, but he's a lawyer. He's a business lawyer here in Vietnam. I just wanted to meet up with him again. I met him uh, during what they call Ted Tet holiday or Chinese New Year's holiday. Mm -hmm. Um, I met him around that time, and we haven't met since because he's been so busy, and then I've been in and out of the country, um, you know, working on visa stuff and so forth. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to speak with him. Um, it was very interesting last night, uh, just chatting with him a little bit because he also introduced me to some friends that um, are interested in working with, with, with China and so forth. Yeah. But mainly what I'm trying to do is, my main goal is to make, with, make friends with people of different industries and find where can I fit in. That's basically what I'm doing. So whether I'm talking with people of, of different, uh, from different businesses, um, lawyers, or just trying to simply find a job. So um, I have a um, Ducati motorcycle. I like Ducati. Okay. Um, That's, yes. A, is that an
1: Italian one or a...
0: Yes, yes, yes. That is the um, Italian one. Yes, okay. yes. So there was a. Um, I forget what it's called because I don't really keep up these motorcycle races. It's, it's the World Motorcycle Race. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do every single year and um, if you have a Ducati motorcycle, basically you go to the Ducati club, we all gather there and we watch the race together, it was a very in, enjoyable event but um, with Ducati Ducati motorcycles are normally a little bit more expensive and what I like about it is when you have a more expensive vehicle you have a tendency to meet people in different business ventures and it's kind of like your ticket to to finally meet those people so anyhow, uh, um, well, speaking with different people, I spoke with of people from Sri Lanka, France, and, of course, Vietnam. There's a few other countries there. But there was one man that was really interesting. He was from um, Italy. So he's a businessman. He does trade here in Vietnam. He's been in Vietnam for 30 years. Wow. And uh, that night I met him. He was already 54 years old. He should be still 54. for his birthday and not came by. So um, at the end of the night, I didn't meet him, the guy from Sri Lanka. The guy from Sri Lanka said, hey, I'm going out. Um, for for a drink with with the guy from Italy. He said, we just have to come with us because I didn't get the chance at the moment to to speak with him. Everyone else kind of knew me. We were all chatting, but I didn't really get a chance to speak with him. But I did notice that when Italian walked in, he walked in uh, worse dressed, but he got the most respect. And normally that means something. If you're not dressed too well, but you get a lot of respect. So it turns out that he was the owner of of the Ducati branch in uh, Ho Chi Minh City. He was the owner. So I knew that, okay, this guy must have his stuff together. So we ended up going out just to get a beer or whatever. And we ended up chatting. And he told me how he got started, which was the, probably the most interesting story I've ever heard of someone getting started in a business. So he said when he was very young, his father was basically doing trade, traded in a very simple format. So he would go to China. He was trading from China. Uh, Hong Kong, sorry. Trading from Hong Kong that time, Hong Kong was still independent, so that's, that's Hong Kong. And he would fly to Hong Kong with three empty but large suitcases, and he was buying materials from there, and he would bring them back to Italy. And he would do that once a month, just take a trip in, fly, come back to Italy, trade, sell, and then come back to Hong Kong. That was the business. His mm. basically a dependent of his father, so he can come into Hong Kong on his father's passport because he was a dependent on his father. But when he turned 23 years old, it was too old to be a, a dependent. And he turned 23 when he was in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong said, well, you have to leave. So he went to Vietnam to just check it out. He was just seeing what it was all about. He said he went to Thun Market, which is a huge and very famous market in Ho Chi Minh City. Now they trade all kinds of things. But he said at the time, it just had vegetables in there. People were just buying vegetables. He went in there just checking it out and he wanted to buy a coffee. And he said, This is the um he went to a stand, he saw that they were selling coffee, but it was iced coffee, which he wasn't accustomed to drinking. And he said, if it wasn't for him wanting, demanding them to have hot coffee, he would have never ran upon this opportunity. So he turned around trying to leave the, the iced coffee, trying to find hot coffee somewhere, because that's what he was accustomed to drinking. And he ran into this woman a Vietnamese woman who he said was pretty attractive to him. Remember, this man was 23 or 24 at the time. or 23. So he probably was more handsome at the time because the man I met was overweight and older. (laughs) And um, he said that the girl seemed to be a little bit attracted to him because she was making compliments to him. And he said he found a woman a little bit attractive. Anyhow, they kind of hooked up and everything. And after hooking up, and you know what I mean, hook up, but anyhow, after they hooked up, the woman She pulled out a ticket and this ticket basically was a format like a format of a form of ticket. It said it had five million dollars on there and it was only allowed to be used for trade. You couldn't buy a car, a house, clothing, food, or anything else with it. It was only for the format of trading. It was issued by the Vietnamese government. She said she had it and had no idea how to use it. And he said that. Based upon her tone of voice and how she was speaking to him, she automatically assumed that he was a businessman in Vietnam because back then, foreigners did not come to Vietnam. Right. right. And he ran up on the mm-hmm. hugest opportunity. So instead mm-hmm. of saying, oh, $5 million, like, don't give it to me. That's too much money. He pretended that he knew what to do with it. Mm-hmm. He took the, the ticket, he said, I'll take care of you and me, of course. Because, I mean, $5 million is a lot of money. Right. And um, he went directly home, got online, and started researching how to trade it. And he ended up using the money. He made a um, profit of $8 million off of it. Of course, a lot of money has to go to the country and stuff like that. But he takes a portion of it. And because he did so well with it, the very next year, the government gave him another $5 million. And it was giving him $5 million every year for consecutive 15 years. So he just built him himself up. Now he owns four restaurants in Vietnam, and he owns um, the um, Ducati branch of Ho Chi Minh City. And I was just amazed by his story. So sometimes you run into it simply by luck, right? Right. Simply luck. It's just who did you meet at that moment? Because he wasn't a wealthy person. He wasn't even in business, and he was actually in Vietnam as a tourist at the moment.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Twenty-three.
2: yeah. 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 And, you know,
1: it's funny when uh, when you're telling that story, I was, I was thinking it kind of sounded like his version of kind of the Toys R Us because it's kind of the idea that you had, right? Running over there and, <laughs> find stuff and bringing it back <laughs> until yes, it can't yes. work anymore. But yes. uh, so from his experience, and he shared, it sounds like he shared his his story with you. Um, what So what insights did you get from that in terms of uh, for for you and for what? You know, because it sounds like, you know, he's been doing it for 30 years. You're kind of at the beginning of the journey. He's kind of towards the end. Uh, yes, yes.
0: So I just feel, um based upon his story, I think it's very important to expose yourself to more people, to more conditions, and more places. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I just simply think. I think um, I would have never ran into the opportunity in Ukraine if I had never went to Russia when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I never learned to speak Russian language. Uh, The opportunity that I I gained in in China would have never happened if I never went. A lot of people are just fearful to just make that move. Um, Of course, you have to make a, um, as as I say, a a smart move, a calculated move. You don't just go abroad just running around. Uh, There should be some plan um, in formation. But I think if there is a plan and you veer a little bit from your plan, you will still hit your target, even if it's not a bullseye.
2: Yeah, you're,
1: you're, I think, yeah, because this kind of reminds, this kind of goes back to, uh, I think I mentioned to you the book Experiments Never Fail by uh, Dale Dowden.
2: Okay, yes, yes.
1: It goes right up that alley because he, there is a certain randomness to it in that, in running into this particular guy at this particular time. But you have, there's already this, you know, there's groundwork obviously that needs to be laid. You know, you got to have the experience of smarts, the, you know, the work ethic, all that stuff.
2: That's correct.
1: Yeah, but it's not the whole plan, like the whole path isn't laid out. It's you just putting yourself in the right place to just meet the right people. Yeah, and recognize this when this happens, when you see these doors opening and uh, having the right conversations and uh, when the opportunity presents itself, not holding back, but just jumping right in and going for it. Yeah. seeing then what you learn. And that's kind of that process of innovation and exploration. And so, right. yeah, you're learning by doing it, being that and being in action.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So I guess now what I'm trying to do is um, I'm still trying to venture towards the United States. I feel that the United States is a great country. A lot of people don't really recognize the opportunity that they have just simply living in the United States. I think. You know, it doesn't matter Republican or Democrat or which president or whatever. Overall, the United States is, is really is a great country. And a lot of people don't, don't really know what they have until they've lost it. And I'm thankful for the experiences that I've had, and I would never take them back. But it's just if those experiences could have happened in the United States, I think I would have been a lot happier. A lot of action. yeah and I'm glad you
2: lot mentioned
1: of yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that was something that you had also mentioned too, that one of your, a desire fears is to relocate to the u s. And yes. uh, we should also mention you you have a wife and a son. you have a family, yes. you know yes. so that that would be involved in that. and so'
0: and uh, it's mainly, yes, mainly for my for my wife and son, I would have to say because. I think men are willing to sacrifice. We don't mind toughening it a little bit. I think when you're after maybe the age of 65, maybe you want something more relaxing. But when we're young and we're strong and, you know, we have that determination and motivation, um, I can toughen any country. It doesn't matter to me. But I see my son. I want him to grow up with the opportunities that I had when I was young. So that way, when he gets older and he's nice and strong and maybe, you know, at the age of 20, 24 years old, he can go out anywhere in the world and find success himself. That's that's my goal. But he needs a good foundation in order to do that. And I feel that in, in China, he cannot he cannot gain that. He cannot gain an, an international view of the world. You know.
1: So one question that I have for you is: You want to eventually relocate to the U.S. You're in Vietnam right now. Yes. So how do we? How do we get it? from
2: Vietnam.
0: Well, I guess the big question is, why would I go from China to Vietnam? So this is a um, huge phenomenon. Chinese people have a tendency to think in a way, and if you live in a country or in a city for so long, you have a tendency to think it's at the same way as your surrounding people. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, people maybe in Texas, they have a tendency to you know. Um, move to, to certain cities. It's not like they're just randomly going to, you know, to, to random places. And, you know, people in the United States have the same tendency we have, you know, tendencies for the same likings of food, same tendencies of likings the music. That's why certain celebrities or music artists and movies, they suddenly, they, they become big. They mm-hmm. have a tendency to a way. away. So Chinese do too. So Chinese normally, when they're trying to leave China, they have a tendency to choose, obviously four countries. United States, Australia, um, Singapore, and Vietnam. But mm-hmm. then that's, the calculations depend upon their power position in China um, and then their financial situation in China. So for the wealthier, more powerful people, they have a tendency to go to the United States and Australia. Oh, sorry, United States and Singapore. For the ones that are taking the more educational route, they're gonna to try to use education to kind of leave the United States. I'm oh, sorry, to leave China. It's United States for the high performers. And then for the average to slightly above average performers, it's normally Australia. But for people who are trying to use a financially cheaper method of investing their money, Vietnam is is the main um destination i should say so Mm -hmm. what i did was last year i was in six countries as i mentioned and you're going off to these countries you're venturing out there you're making a little bit of investment there and and so forth so when you're dispersing your money into many places now you don't have that big bundle of money anymore so for me vietnam is a smarter direction to go in and then it's also still pretty close to to China, so people who want to come in from China to Vietnam, that also presents some business opportunity for me. So I can also profit off of those those type of people. So yeah, a lot of Chinese that are looking to basically migrate to to Vietnam, I'm trying to also work with them and make make opportunity.
1: Okay, so is your thinking then that? Um this is kind of a springboard to the u.s exactly exactly yes
0: yes okay it's easier to get from to the u.s from vietnam than it is from china china is okay. one of the type of countries the longer you're in china the more difficult it is to gotcha. leave china.
1: okay okay uh that, that makes sense then so and, and and not just for you but for your family too that's where you're thinking about exactly. how the, the best way to kind of migrate your family over is yeah, yeah. through through yeah. vietnam okay Gotcha. And and you mentioned that culturally there's a lot of affinity in Vietnam with US kind of culture.
2: Yes. Uh, so correct.
1: that might kind of work to your benefit there too, in terms of the people you meet and connect with. Correct. correct. Gotcha. Okay. So um and so you're then you'd be looking to connect with people where ideally maybe the work then naturally kind of then takes you to the US? Like maybe
0: hopefully so, yes. If it's if it's not necessarily the work, hopefully financially, it
1: would also bring okay, that out. Just...
0: Because if the business is large enough and the money is, is pretty good, then um once I have a legitimacy work visa or business visa in Vietnam, it's very easy for me to move my family over to Vietnam. China has a tendency to um they want to hold their people in China. They don't want their people just moving all about. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't know this, but um, normally if there's Chinese abroad, they normally have connections with with with, with people in government. Mm-hmm. The people who are just education based, they don't they don't come to, to the United States. They don't have that opportunity because right. even if the United States give them a, a visa or permission, um, even scholarship, China does not allow them to leave the country. Um, uh, last year there's been so many passports um, just, just been cut up and then mm-hmm. um, although I've been married for I think I'm at 13 years now I've been married for for a while 13 years but China has never allowed my wife to come to the US and, and see my family
2: mm-hmm.
0: And my son he's never been to the United States my son he's been to Thailand and, and Malaysia but never the, the United States so it's easier for me to get them to Vietnam and then from Vietnam
1: maybe to to the United States Gotcha, gotcha. Now, one thing that I guess question or concern that kind of comes up in my mind is that there's a, it seems like there could be a danger where you get then stuck in Vietnam uh, for maybe longer than you'd like,
2: right? Longer than planned, maybe so. Yes, yeah. and
0: that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. It's it's okay though for me because if I can, even if I'm stuck in Vietnam, if I can pre- present the opportunity for my son, maybe my wife to just go to the United States. She can accompany my son while he's in school. It's worth it in my opinion. As long as the money
1: here is good enough. Right. And that's what I mean. Like in in Warren's in in the sense of like it, especially if you don't have the goal or if you don't have a clear kind of target in mind and, you know, worst case scenario is you just end up just working there all and 20 years goes by and, oh, we, we have this idea of moving, but we never, you know, nothing ever. Yes. yes. you end up Vietnam, always stays in your mind as this temporary way station, but it then ends up becoming the permanent.
0: That thing. happens to a lot of people. I think yeah. it's all personality based. So my my personality, I'm not the type of person who will work for someone for, for a long period of time. I think the longest period of time I've ever had a job was like two years consecutively. Okay. And then I'll find business opportunity out of that because I'm forever trying to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And I'm just forever just trying to find an opportunity. And then the, I'm a little bit stingy with money, honestly. <laughs> so I save my money. I will not go yeah. out and buy luxury things and and so forth. I don't need designer clothes and watches and and that type of thing.
1: Yeah, and it would be good to then to that to have that goal to uh, and maybe look at the numbers and decide when if it's going to be the financial route. When do you have enough in savings that you can then say, okay, we're now we're now ready to make that move to the U.S. if not through your work just how much you know do we need to save up all right so
0: there's never actually enough money in my opinion that you can save up to just move to the United States because now you need your next business venture or you need some stable income where you can live maybe in the United States but the money's still coming in through through Vietnam that becomes pretty hard to to do a lot of time you need to physically be in that location I think this concept of that you can work 100% virtually, I don't really believe in it. I I just honestly don't believe in it. I heard, I believe, um, Ellen Mus, he also spoke about that. Um, He just, he disagrees with the ideology of working 100% virtually. So I just And and it
1: seems like you're, you're, that's not, it's not where your advantage is too, your advantage is in making those connections with people and you can't do that or it's harder to do virtually.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It seems so. Technology hasn't gotten us there. I don't know what the aprovision will.
1: Will that get us there or something? I don't know. Yeah. But the, when um, the metaverse arrives, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so then, um, but then you know maybe we you know think about um, yeah, what would be you know? It seems like a great opportunity if you did make some kind of connection where uh, you're working with clients that have a US connection, you know, to, to help facilitate. You know maybe you start to travel back and forth you know, because there's a work related reason you know for that
0: yes that's that's what I'm trying to do I'm, I was trying to uh, because as I mentioned my, my father is from Georgia, and um I was trying to get more maybe meet more people online firstly, and maybe nice Atlanta, Georgia, maybe that's area Florida I'm trying to more stay away from the California area. There's a lot of Asian Americans in California. I feel like though I don't present anything special that they don't all know about. If you're dealing with Californians, so basically anywhere besides California is probably more suitable for me. But California is a nice place. I've been there and visit my sisters there. It's great. I know, but um, it will be more difficult for me. It's very unrealistic in my in my in my viewpoint. I guess the main thing that's so difficult is how do you connect with people because everyone tells me Facebook, 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 but I just feel as though Facebook isn't um, very efficient. Mm
2: -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Well, I know that, I think Houston, if I remember correctly, has a pretty large expat community of Vietnamese, right? Maybe so, maybe
0: so. Uh, I'm not very sure about about, about Houston for, for Vietnamese. I just know most Asians have a tendency they're all, whether they're Filipino, Vietnamese, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, they all go to California for some reason.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah and it's not like you said there it's not it's it's wave right it's not it's not totally random especially with immigrant groups right you yes. get these clusters uh where there's kind of like a beachhead somebody kind of comes in there first and then everybody kind of comes in and follows and so they tend exactly. to jump like, in the bandwagon yes. Yeah. yes yeah it's like italians in new york right or yes yeah, versus boston you know what yes. you know what have you so um um but yeah it, and maybe your maybe your door into it is through Vietnam where you meet people there who have U.S. connections. Maybe they have relatives that live here, you know, work here.
0: Yes, and a lot of them actually they, they do. A lot of them do because after the war uh, we brought back a lot of Vietnamese children and then they were raised in Vietnam and they came back and now they've had children. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, a lot of the, the older generation, even my landlord um she, I think her children are, are in in the United States and she's back and forth from the United States to Vietnam.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I just remember too, I gave you, a, I had given you a couple of exercises since we last yes, spoke. Yeah. And, and so I'm kind of now curious to kind of come to where we're at right now and looking at, okay, what are the opportunities? What are the challenges you're facing uh, at the moment? Uh, we had to do an energy audit. Yes, i was kind of curious. How did that go for you?
0: All right. so Yes, yes. I I thought about it and I wrote them out. So you asked me first, firstly about what would my what would my what would be my three year vision. Yeah. Um, what would my life be like in three years if, okay. if it would, went according to my vision? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I would just want more of a comfortable lifestyle. I felt uh, very stressed stress when I was in China. Some of us work related. Some of this society pressures. And just you know the way of living in China, uh, so I want to just feel more relaxed, comfortable around people that I value and love. So you know the United States, that's 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 the dream for me. But if, if Vietnam would pre- present that to me, that would be wonderful. Um, and then um, of course making stable and comfortable money, and that for me in Vietnam that would be at least hundred k a year. Um, but you know the more the better. Of course, and uh, I think hundred k a year is very unrealistic if you have a job here in Vietnam. The wages here, they can be considered high according to Vietnam, but I think wow, that's that's like an engineer or something if you're making hundred k a year here in Vietnam and you have you would you must be a foreign engineer. So I don't have a degree in engineering or anything like that, so it's very unrealistic for me. So um, going into my own business would be, Uh, more realistic and then when it comes to the business form so I'm a very flexible person Uh, my personality is I'm a person that adjusts um, according to my environment and the people around me Mm -hmm. so I don't have any specifics about what type of business I'm in for me what motivates me most is the business itself it's operating the business so Mm -hmm. whether makeup and cosmetics or the service industry or uh, education, coffee again, or um, I don't know, even sports or something like that, anything. Once I get my hands on it, once that opportunity presents itself to me, I'm going to make that business grow because I focus more on the business rather than just, you know, the product service itself.
1: Yeah, you understand how businesses operate, you know, what, what a successful business looks like, what a struggling business looks like. Yes. So a lot of, well, one piece of advice a friend of mine gave me is that when people are thinking about what's my dream job, usually the first thing they're thinking about is what do I do? And who they work with is kind of an afterthought or, you know, not a high priority. And he often recommends people think about that first. Who do you want to work with? And then, you know, get to what do you want to do? And it can be, it can kind of seem counterintuitive, but, you know, it fits, I think, well with you because you know the what already. You understand business. You you want to work around that. So it sounds like then it's really going to come down to kind of who, what kind of people do you enjoy working with, right? Yes. setting the environment all that yeah
0: exactly exactly and as you just mentioned for me it would just be i enjoy just being around business-minded people i just feel as though we have something in in common something
1: we can relate so think about the people you have worked with in the past where you had really great relationships and it, it it was productive and it was a good experience for you if you can think of even specific people that'd be great and tell me about them what were they like? What are their qualities?
0: All right. All right. So a lot of them, um, they have very productive thinking, um, very flexible thinking. Um, I've mainly ever really worked with our Chinese and, and Ukrainians, as I mentioned. Um, Chinese, what I like about them, is just they're, they're very flexible. There's never a no that ever comes out of their mouth. And I like that about them. I always find some type of solution. So I like that type of person because those type of people you can normally work with, you can do a lot of negotiations with. As long as you have something to offer them, they're going to do business with you. So I'm looking for more of those type of people. Um, A lot of people I would deal with in China. If I was to go back in the direction of China, I need to go back to China. So now you lose certain freedoms that I have now in Vietnam. I don't want to lose those freedoms. Sometimes I just feel there's not enough money. To compensate for for the freedoms, you know, yeah, it's it's just simple things. As I was just mentioning, to you, I ride a motorcycle now. In China, I could never have a motorcycle. So it's simple things, you know. Sometimes, um, so yeah, I would say that. Now with the Ukrainians, I like what I like about them is um, they're more exact in their work. If they say we're going to do this at what time, we're going to do it in whatever formation format. They're, they're, they're people of their word. There's no change. As I said, the Chinese are flexible, but sometimes they're flexible. It hurts you because someone else can come in and say, no, no, we should do that. And when you, me and, and you have already agreed on this or that, now they come in and they change it for us. So it's forever changing. It's, just, it's never one thing. It's like this glob of of a business. It's like this gooey glob. It doesn't have one shape to it,
2: you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Good deal. So then. So then
1: the question then is figuring out, like, as you said, figuring out, what, okay, what business, what industry, uh, so I'm trying to think of what, um, I'm thinking of this experiments never fail framework then too. Of, it sounds like what you're doing is pretty good in terms of you're connecting with people already. Yeah. And, and so I'm I guess the question I have is: How do you then? What would be next steps in terms of um, what can you do to figure out what that industry will be for you? you know, it's not necessarily a, you have to come up with a plan, but what things do you need to be doing? Exactly. So
0: you're 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 correct. I think meeting more people. I went to a, um, a trade expo uh, this past Saturday, and what uh, India. South Korea, China, and Vietnam are all there. So they gave me a little bit of exposure to see what type of new products are being made. And, you know, you can speak with people. Uh, one Chinese company, um, because they were also from um, Hunan, China, that's the place I was staying at. Um, once we begin speaking, we can speak in dialect, so they were happy about that. And um, they said that, you know, they would love me to, um, what is it called? Um, like promote, promote their, their, their product here in Vietnam and they would pay me for that. So I'm going to actually have a conversation with them on that uh, tomorrow. So like I said, just try to meet more people. This is pretty good. I think with with the whole United States thing, I'm trying to make videos uh, based upon my knowledge and put them into social media so that they can just kind of get out there somewhere. And sometimes what happens is someone watches it, but that may not be the person who needs it, but they might tell someone else about it. I'm hoping that it just has like this domino effect. And hopefully Yes, yes. Maybe that will be a little helpful. That's basically all I can do right now is really just meet more people, get more exposure, gain more knowledge, and then just let people know about me, let people know of my existence. Because when you're stuck in China for so long and we're blocked off from the rest of the world, no one knows that I exist. You know, even being on your uh, podcast
1: today, this also gives me a little exposure myself. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and I'm glad you mentioned that too, because maybe um, we can think about different kind of profiles of who we might want to work with. So you know, do you want to work you know with some you know business? Someone's coming in from China. Do you want to work with someone's coming in from Europe, from the U.S.? Um, what kinds of businesses, and maybe in terms of like the size, to make sure that you're targeting the right.
2: Yes. Yes. I always
0: thought those smaller businesses are a lot easier to to start with. Because I believe once you have, I don't know, a good eight to 10 small businesses backing you, then it's easier to, you know, have communication with the larger businesses because they're saying, oh, well, these smaller businesses and every small business, let's say they have 50, 100, 200 customers, and then you multiply it times let's say 10. Now you're racking up on people. Now the large businesses, they'll pay more attention.
2: Yeah,
1: and to, and for a point of clarification, are you going to be... Focusing at all on local businesses there or are you mainly focusing on companies coming from outside?
0: I would love to focus in both directions, honestly, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see which one would actually expand faster. I just feel as that sometimes, you know, you, you know, you just kind of put your hands and feet in, in, in all, you know, on yeah, all the yeah. of water and see which one's most comfortable, which one is most beneficial to me.
2: Yeah.
1: No, yeah. I, I totally agree. So I think what we want to do is a good way to do it is just kind of set it up as an experiment, right? Make sure.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That you get, you try along both lines. Now, do, you know, how you do this is, you know, what you want to come up with, right. In terms of do you start first focusing on local businesses or do you just kind of figure out how to kind of split your time so that maybe one day you're a couple days a week, you're focusing on local businesses and then, Couple of days a week, you're really kind of putting into effort to look at those outside companies, and then yeah. um, and then track that. And so, what metric would we, I guess, look at uh, to to kind of tell us that there's a signal here that we should follow? Is it just amount of money, revenue, or is it uh, people you connect with? Uh, is it you know what what would kind of give you that signal that I should keep pursuing this route?
0: Sure in my opinion, just simply growth. Mm-hmm. If there's if there's opportunity that's being presented and there's some type of outcome coming about this, then it means that we're in the right direction, and, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's just society will always tell you that you're not needed here or there if, if you're just simply not needed. So mm-hmm. I'm no good for that. You know, people are not going to want to deal with me. They're not going to work with me or they're not going to pay for my services or whatever.
1: So Yes, yes, that's how I okay. feel. Have you, to this point, have you, I mean, if you've met enough people, do you have a sense that one group tends to be a little easier to work with or more productive? Or... When you
0: say no, one group, do you mean like business or you mean country?
1: Yeah, well, businesses, but between, Chinese, say, maybe Chinese visiting versus European versus local, have you noticed that uh, – does anyone seem kind of pop out to you as being a kind of a bigger opportunity for
2: you? All or right. Or is it still uh, too really early question. to tell? So,
0: when you say like like European countries and so forth, I haven't really reached out there. I don't really know how to reach out there. It's, you know, I know, you know, Ukraine is not really considered part of Europe. Culturally, they're also very different. And it's. I think you have to have a connection with people. In order to, to, to get something started, there has to be that little spark there. Mm-hmm. And, I was, uh, and then you said it last time, you said it very well. You said that starting a business relationship is kind of like starting a relationship between, like, you know, boyfriend girlfriend type of relationship. It mm-hmm. just doesn't work with every single one. There has to be that little spark there that mm-hmm. there's something with, in, in common be, between both of us. I've seen, like, couples of a boy and a girl together. The guy, he got tattoos all over his neck and arms and down his legs. And then you look at the girl and she has tattoos all over her arms and necks and legs. And it's just something about them that, that that is in common. So I have to find those type of people that are in common. That's why it's best to just try to speak with as many people as possible. But back to the question. Um, I feel as though it's, it's equally beneficial. So with the local businesses, because I am physically here, there's a Slighter, stronger sense of um, trust because it's you know they can come to my place, they can yeah. you know they can eat with me, they can get to know me as a person. So and then here in Vietnam they have a better understanding of Americans and American culture and American people and foreigners in general. So there's a little bit more opportunity there. But then with China, I can code switch with the Chinese. And I'll dress differently, and I'll talk differently, and I'll speak my different language. And then I relate more with the Chinese. So I can kind of do a little bit of both. And then with China, the benefit that I have is I have a Chinese wife. Chinese people, they have this concept of what they say, love. And um, their love, their concept of love is different than our concept of love. Our love is I'm willing to do things for you, and I love you just because I love you. It's just you don't really need an explanation. You know, the I see a girl. He loves her. Maybe it's her beauty. Maybe it's her personality. Whatever. It doesn't matter. He loves her. Nothing really changes that. But in Chinese, when they say love, it basically means loyalty. Am I loyal to your country? That's why Chinese love when American celebrities or foreign celebrities come to China. And when they do an interview or something like that, they always ask them, do you love China? It doesn't mean like, do you love China like you love America or your own country? It means, will you be loyal to our country? So when they see that I have a wife, they feel as though I'm loyal to her, I'm loyal to China. So there's a stronger sense of trust. So oh, yeah. for example, in China, you've done business, let's say you've done business in the United States for 50 years, but I've only done business for 20 years, but I'm married to someone Chinese. The Chinese would give me more of an opportunity than they would do you. Oh
1: yeah, I mean, it, it communicates a lot.
0: Yes, it community. communicates a lot. Of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But in the US, it would not. In the US
1: experience, yeah. right. it may, not.
2: yes. Right, right, yeah.
1: So, what challenges, what's one challenge that you're facing then at the moment? Uh, you mentioned earlier a little bit about exposure, but what, what challenge do you see
2: uh, uh, at the moment? The main moment? ones.
0: Exposure is oh. not stated, and then secondly, it's not knowing what I don't know. Sometimes you just don't know that you don't know it, and you're constantly going in the wrong direction or doing something wrong, but it never comes to you that this is the wrong method, and until I figure that out, I might not even change.
1: Okay, that sounds a little bit more like a fear, a concern that you have. That
0: Yes, yes, I'm a little bit concerned, yes, about that, yes. Because I've done it in the past, and once I come to the realization, then I change, and then suddenly everything's going successful, but I might waste a year
1: okay okay so let's let's dig into that then what give me let's let's think back to an example where you did that how did you what kept you or when did the- realization happen? why did it take so long
0: all right all right so for example um in my younger years, um, that was still in China, business in China. Um, I had I was hiring Chinese employees, and a lot of Westerns they make this mistake. So, in Western countries, when an employee makes a mistake, we have a tendency to um, tell them that you made this mistake, and we're kind of strict with them about it. It's like don't make this mistake again, or you'll get penalty for it. But in China, you cannot do that, and really in Asia, I hear that you cannot do that. Because a lot of my Korean friends have also told me of this. And the solution in Asia is instead of, as we say, get on to them about it, you should create a new solution of how it should be done and just come to them to just say, hey, you're doing this. Great. Let's do it this way. It's going to be better. And that means a lot in Asia because. My turnover rate was really high. I was hiring people and having to fire them, or them were, were quitting in two months. And if they quit after two months of work, you have to hire all of again. You're doing the whole process of interview and training. It takes up my time. You lose a lot of money in business. That was hurting me hugely. And once I corrected the situation, it was just simply a form of, uh, a form of communication. Mm, income went up.
1: So how did the realization happen then?
0: Oh, oh! it actually happened um, with a customer of mine telling me about the situation.
1: It was a customer of mine who told me that I was doing it incorrectly. So to me, that sounds like just something you just had no idea. It wasn't on your radar. You exactly. saw that there was a problem. Yeah.
0: Well, because my, my father, um, he, he, he would manage other people. And sometimes I, when I, you know, I have my own business that was small but growing, I would ask him for advice about management because he's been managing for years. And he would just tell me, get on to them, be forceful, they'll feel fearful of you, they'll become more diligent, and that's the American way of doing it. <laughs> so I just took his advice. And I mean, who doesn't trust your, your own father? I mean, they, yeah. he's been working longer than I've been alive. So I trust In him. In the U.S.? Yes, yes, but that's in the U.S. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. And yes. it was a customer uh, who was Chinese who knew, knew the culture.
2: Yes, yes, yeah.
0: And I yeah. believe that one of my one of my employees made a complaint and told her about the situation. Mm. Okay. So they, I think they ended up, end up quitting anyway. They quit, right. so they didn't mind saying it. But
1: she probably was watching the turnover rate really high.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Do yes. I don't know what. So what I see from that is there was no way for you to know i mean it was kind of out of your control right i mean that exactly. was truly an unknown unknown for you exactly you know uh so but the solution came from having someone who informed me of this yeah someone who knew the culture who can tell you this and so, exactly.
0: and sometimes in business everything is not just about culture sometimes it's just business practice but if you're right. not open enough or not experienced enough you just simply do not know.
1: So then, uh, if you're, if that's your concern, then here in Vietnam, how can we? What can we do? Because you know, you're just going to have to accept, right? You're just, you're not local. You're learning, and so they're just. You're going to do things wrong. There's things that, or I should say, you're going to learn. There's things to learn. Right? Exactly. Instead of exactly. you know, to reframe that, but um, you don't want to let that stop you. Certainly, you know. So how can we what can we put in place to kind of maybe shorten that learning curve and get you know that awareness?
0: Uh, Calculative assessment really. That's all that, that that's all that you really can do is just look at your work situation day by day or week by week. See where are you growing and where are you just at a standstill? And make the comparisons try to find the reasons for that speak with more of the local the vietnamese locals you know yeah. um that that's is,
1: exactly that, that's yes That'd be that, very that was what yeah i'm glad you said it because that was where i was going to gonna hone in what if you had advisors or people that you trust that are local that exactly have a business that you can go to this is why
0: i feel that business partnering is, is pretty good because if you're if you're investing efforts and money entirely by yourself, now the mistake is entirely on your head, and the loss is also entirely on you. But if you partner with someone else, well, what I do bad for the business, it essentially hurts them also, so they're going to correct me, and that's why I feel the partnering is is great,
1: especially when you're beginning Okay, one other idea I'll throw out there is. Creating your own kind of personal board of advisors. Okay. A lot of you know businesses, public companies have boards, right? And the idea is that they provide that kind of oversight, you know, outside vision, outside perspective, to kind of help. The idea is to help support the management team. So what I'm thinking is you kind of build this board for yourself of people that can give you that insight because they have the perspective that you don't and they can look at what you're doing and these are people that you, that you see regularly, they may not necessarily be working in the business, but they have experience. They've lived in Vietnam. They've done business in Vietnam for a long time. And by having them around you, supporting you, these could be informal kind of social, casual connections. Um, it could even be, Uh, maybe someone you you work with like a coach or advisor for you that, you know, on a more formal basis, but kind of a mix. But the idea is that you have this kind of sounding board of people that you can talk to. And then, and then that way, you know, you get this outside perspective and then that allows you, you're kind of setting yourself up to have that self-awareness so that you, you don't get into an echo chamber where you're working on the business so hard, you're putting the work and effort into it. And uh, but, but, it at the same time, yes. Right, right, without that awareness. So you're kind of giving yourself the, you're putting yourself in that position where you can be exposed uh, to someone who's
2: saying, hey, how's you're it going? Very correct.
0: And, you're very correct, that's, that's also very difficult to do. It's easier said than done. And, and the reason why is because you'd have to hire on that board. And the thing is, is if you're unaware in the very, in the, in the beginning, you don't know who to hire on to inform you of this information. That's why I, I believe essentially it's actually a little bit better to just have partner biz- businesses. And yeah. maybe I'm only 20%, 30% shareholder or, you know, maybe investor or something like that. But because what I do will affect their business, they don't want their business affected. So yeah. they're telling me, hey, you have to make this correction because you're hurting my business. know yeah i think
1: that's a good idea yeah when when i think when i was thinking of a board not so much formal i was just thinking of who um do you want to just have in your circle that you just that you talk with connect with regularly who's like like this italian guy you know all right yes so as you meet people just kind of be aware of oh you know what this actually this is this guy kind of understands what i'm doing and we, when we talk shop, you know, he can he can really understand where I'm coming from. So you're,
0: you're, correct. you're, you're correct. And I, another thing I've noticed over the years is um age difference. This is also very vital to your um uh, personal development. Mm-hmm. I noticed that people are, are close in age to you, they seem to um, compete with you more. So, mm-hmm. like for example, like you and me, we're 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 close in age, yeah, but we're very distant in location. Right. So I don't affect your business. You don't affect mine. So we're very willing to help each other. But if we're both in similar businesses, similar age, and we're both targeting the same audience, more than likely you and me will become competitors. Right. Be no yeah. partnerships. But like with, that, with the guy who's in his 50s, he told me that a huge story. And the guy who was from, uh, from Sri Lanka was sitting right next to him. He has a gray beard. So I'm guessing that he was similar age, but he never heard that story before.
2: Mm.
0: he never heard the story he was surprised that night but they had known each other for 15 years and he's never heard the story and I just met him that night and he told the story to me so I've noticed um, just even back in in the past United States, Ukraine, China and now here in Vietnam I've noticed that people with a huge age difference than me they're more willing to share information with me and give me more knowledge and I've realized I'm the same I normally don't build too much knowledge to someone who's similar in age to me, but a a young 20-year-old kid comes up to me and asks me for some advice. I just
2: let (laughs) loose.
1: Right, right, right. So, okay, so so here's two things, that ideas that kind of pop up in my head is uh, how do you, you know, again, kind of going back to that point of, you know, connecting with people, and you know, when you recognize that you're, you're talking to these folks who can kind of be a mentor, who, you know, who would be kind of a, serve a kind of good role uh, who'd be a good person to just stay in touch with yes you know, regularly you know maybe monthly I agree. yeah yeah uh that you can connect with one-on-one and learn from another thing i'm thinking of too is like i'm in a mastermind there's four of us we all we're all similar in age uh but we come from very different uh backgrounds and in different careers and everything but that works to that benefit right because you just have this really broad exactly. of perspective yeah and so I'm wondering, and especially to speaking of this exposure challenge, what if um you could reach out to people who are kind of closer to you in age, but who are in different industries, you know, and is there a way to, in a sense, kind of curate your own, maybe mastermind group of guys that just kind of get together every so often, every week, every month? But there's no, you don't have that concern of competition because every guy's in a different lane and, yes. you know, but it's a way to just connect, talk, you know.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I agree. I think that's, I think you're very correct. It's, it's difficult. It's still a little bit difficult because you're meeting people and some people are just friendly and they want to just make friends, just casual friends. And some people, you know, they're, they're busy with their work or business And because they're so busy, they just seem to not have the time to come out and meet up with you and, you know, have a coffee every once in a while or something. So it takes time. It takes time. You know, I I didn't do it in in six months in China. I doubt I would do it in six months in Vietnam. So it, it takes some time. Seriously.
1: Yeah. And I think the key there is just to be aware of, like we were talking about before, the people that you've worked with in the past and the the good relationships that you've had, and how to identify those same qualities, you know, when you're meeting people, and uh, being del- more deliberate and proactive about saying, oh, you're recognizing that, and then seeing how you can just kind of draw each other closer. Yes,
0: yes, I agree. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's, it's very interesting, very interesting. I think. I just think there's a whole process for me, It's I enjoy the whole process of starting from very little or nothing and then watching it grow. It's you develop this this pride, you know, you feel very proud of yourself. You know, um, it's not really necessarily all about money, in my opinion.
1: What is it about? It pride was part of it. Something that you built yourself.
0: It's is about really building something. Yes, yes, and then you, you have this connection, and then you just feel more secure about yourself in life, simply, mm. in my opinion. So, yeah, it's it's, it's very nice.
1: Very nice. So, but I, oh, sorry. I was just going to say so it must, and you've been, you recently moved here. So it's, it seems like it may have been a while since you've been in this, back in this phase, right? Where you're kind of. Yes. Starting, you know? <laughs> yes. Okay.
0: A very long time, yes, in my opinion. Yes.
2: Gotcha. gotcha.
0: Ukraine was actually a little bit fast, the Ukraine was, was pretty quick. So the cost of living in Ukraine was was very low when I was there. And I mean, it would have been still now because I don't know if you know, but the, the Ukrainian, um, is called Krivna. It's, it's their dollar, basically. Mm-hmm. And the currency conversions was one US dollar to 25 of their dollars. And then you could buy a coffee or something for like 10 of their dollars. Mm-hmm. So really cheap, you know, living out there and stuff like that. So when you invest, the, the upfront investment money, you, you pull up $5,000 and the people there just, you know, they, yeah. they go wild because it's a lot of money. I mean, that's like five times 125, whatever. So it's a lot of money as as, as, as they'll see it. Yeah. So it's good sort of opportunity. And then I think, um, like I said, with the exactness of the Ukrainians, they tell you that they're going to do it this way. You never worry that tomorrow that there will be a change. It will continuously stay the same and you you have this operation that it's pre-planned and then it's, you know, um, it, it's done in that way. Gotcha. Uh, but with the Chinese, it's a little bit more difficult. The Vietnamese, I'm just learning the um, situation, but mainly it's just been about connections. I'm currently just trying to connect with as many people as possible. Okay. And, and then, That's what I've seen. That seems like that's my best option currently. And then trying to work with trying to meet people in the United States. But it seems as though I need that bridge to have me connect because things like Facebook or WhatsApp, that really does not help, in my opinion. And then calling up local businesses. Normally, the person that normally picks up the phone, they're just an employee. They work at the register or something like that, Um, secretary or something like that. They seem to not have um, the awareness to know when an offer is being made to grasp that opportunity or at least listen. They don't seem to have that awareness. Just one business calls them, hey, I have a business proposition for you. Maybe your boss will be interested. They'll just hang up and tell you, you know, we're not interested before ever hearing what you actually have to say. And sometimes I make pretty nice offers.
1: You know so it goes back to that connection then point right uh, how do you es- establish that connection <laughs> oh yeah. yes
2: exactly yeah exactly.
1: yeah so I think that's yes. cool. right right to so being strategic about that right
0: but in my <laughs> point, being strategic about it it seems as though the only solution is to physically, be there. So physically right. be there because a lot of time you can use a lot of um i forget the name of that website um but You can find businesses and then you can look up who is the business owner. And sometimes you just wait out in the parking lot, just wait till they close at the end of the day, wait till the owner comes out, come up and meet him really quickly. You dress professionally, you speak professionally, you have a nice pitch line or something like that. And sometimes they'll give you a business card. Hey, contact me back. I got to pick up my children now. But, you know, they, they become interested.
1: Yeah. And so I'm wondering, well, how can we kind of engineer those kind more of those kinds of meetings, even in.
0: That's, that's, um, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to figure out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that, though, with the Motorcycle Club, right, um, yeah, that's yes. you know, introduced some connections to you. I think I'm wondering, is there anything else that uh, you can try? Uh,
0: I think, too, is also very important to find what, what, what local what the local people and then people of those certain age ranges. What type of activities do they want to do in their free time? They're normally yeah. very busy. When they finally have some free time, you need to be at those type of events or locations where they'll be at. Here in Vietnam, I've noticed with the the older generation, and especially in the nicer neighborhoods, they love playing golf. They love golf here.
2: Now, do so, you do
0: enjoy golf? I don't play. I've never played before. I don't own one, not even a ball. So it's something I should really look into. Um, I, I enjoy tennis, Okay. You know, swimming. But tennis and swimming, things like that, you'll find a lot of young people. Those people don't run businesses or anything like that. So you're not really connecting with the people that you need to connect with. And then, two, swimming pool, people wearing less clothing. So people have a tendency to shy away. They don't really want to come and talk to you because <laughs> they don't know if you're coming to them about business or you're just checking out their body or something. You
2: know?
1: <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but those those places have business owners, too, right?
0: Yes, yes. Swimming pools better than 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 tennis tennis courts in my opinion.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: So coming out of this
1: then um
0: and then in Asia I'm sorry I should emphasize this karaoke's. But karaoke's you normally need to be invited. You need to be invited into a karaoke. They normally you have karaoke you go there and then you have a booth. And you go inside a booth with all your friends and you go order drinks, I mean beer or something have you know, snacks, popcorn or chips or something, and they just sit in there and sing and they sing all night. Now that's where a lot of connections are strongly made in Asia. Especially I would say Japan, Korea, China, and Vietnam mildly.
2: Would it be
1: possible to host your own kind of social get together of some kind and and
0: Yes, those you know Need to go to networking events here in Vietnam, okay. and meet people at those networking events. But what I don't like about networking events, it's a um, it's a promotion to to sell whatever they're selling at the network. Right, event.
1: everybody's kind of for the same thing, trying to find a job or find a whatever, and it's like.
0: Well, some people are trying to find connections, but the but the the um, the owners of the event, that the people who are holding the event, they don't seem to have an understanding of connecting two people together. It should be, in my opinion, a networking event should be if I apply for this networking event, I would fill out a form. Who am I? What type of business do I do or run? And then people would review my information and other people's information. They would say, okay, he seems to so because maybe I would write down inside of this form, this is what I'm looking for. And they yeah. would find maybe two or three businesses that is looking for what, you know, what I'm offering. And yeah. they would connect us together and they would maybe assign a table for us. Right, and right. So, you know, these people sit at this table, these people sit at that table. That's a lot better. But instead, comments, right. in you go to this event at a nice, you know, wine cafe or something like that. And everyone's just looking around like, who are you, who are you, who are you? Who are you? And some people are, are big and up at it. It's, um, they have this, oh, I'm fancy, I'm rich, or I own this business. And now no one's talking and everyone's just sipping wine. And at the end of the night or at the end of the event, everyone's drunk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We haven't,
0: haven't spoken. No connection, spoke yeah. Wine after wine after wine. And everyone goes, but hey, drunk.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's useless in my opinion. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I wish I could hold it in I would probably run it that way, but those are quite expensive. You have to do a lot of promotion to get people to know that you even exist.
1: Right, that's, that's what I'm trying to, yeah, that's what I'm trying to think of. Like, how can we come up with some kind of proactive way to get yourself exposed? It doesn't have to be like the kind of fancy event kind of thing, but just a way to connect with that business owner, you know, get past the gatekeeper and um and then and introduce yourself and real and then you know, create that opportunity to connect with someone create yeah. a connection yeah but um but I like you know and but keep in mind it's uh it's it's hard work to just keep you know going out there and connecting with people and talking with folks but your ability to do that obviously is going to be to your benefit you know and that investment's gonna certainly be worth it. And you're good at that, right? That's where you excel and where you're where you're strong at. And uh, and that's just something that's just going to be a muscle that you constantly flex, right? And uh, and if you can, and because I do this a lot in in my day job as well, but if you can get good at having those conversations, a coach I work with says, you know, yes lives in the land of no, you know, and when you're in that kind of job where you're having conversations is really kind of the key essential part of your work you know just having that rhythm and being able to just go out there and keep having those conversations because you never know what when that you talk yes. to somebody yes. it opens up door
2: even
0: even when you see some conversations and so forth it's um it's a little bit of a cycle to it so you do it for a while and then you have a tendency to tire out people have a tendency to tire out yeah as if there's failure after failure you seem to lose that motivation. Right. And then you have a period where you don't want to be around people so much. So yeah. it, in my opinion, it only lasts for so long. And because what, three years ago, five years ago, there was no need for me to do this. So I've had my rest, or my, my, my break period. I'm ready and energetic now, but
2: yeah, exactly.
0: Another year from now, I doubt that.
1: (laughs) Right. And that's why, and a lot of times people aren't doing it with, they're only doing it when they need to. And then you get these networking events where they they never, nerve gets, you know, comes out of it. But yeah, that, and so that's why it's important to take that time to reflect and, and have a regular rhythm and you don't necessarily have to go, you know, intense, you know, on it all the time, but just having that constant rhythm of connecting with people. So um, I want to then come out of this then with an action item that you can take, so that there's you know you're focusing on okay we're at the beginning of the week. What do we want to focus on this week at least just to start?
0: All right. Um, so I don't I don't know. It seems as though my my every week I have new arrangements that come up and so forth. I think. Um, like for for example, this week, what tomorrow what am I doing tomorrow? I didn't bring my schedule with me. <laughs> no worries, no worries. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, today I just do some of my my own personal work, and then tomorrow, what do I have? I have a checkup at the at the hospital. Can't remember what do I have tomorrow. Oh, I have a few phone calls to make tomorrow. Make a few phone calls. And then as of right now, that's kind of all that I really have going on. But I'm pretty sure by Wednesday, I have already plans ready for Thursday and Friday. Yeah. And, and um, um, I guess I try to keep up with different events that's going on. I am try to be very open-minded, very professional, no matter where I'm at, where I'm going. I'm still with people because, once again, you never know who you meet. I might just get lucky to meet that woman, you know, with a coffee.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. It might
0: happen yeah. one day. Um, so yeah, you know, that that's, that's basically all I can do for now. And then do a lot of planning, just continuously thinking of new ideals and being flexible. I think this is one thing I really I'm thankful that that the Chinese have taught me. It's just that that flexibility type of mind setting and um, just just try to create more and more opportunity. For exposure, or for what? Mainly for exposure, as of now. That's all I can really do, as of now. Because okay. work experience, I have a pretty nice resume. Work experience, and I think I can really basically go into any field. But I just need to know what fields of work are in demand or profitable right now.
1: Okay, so that might be a good action item then. By the end of the week, you know, to, to focus on uh, get get. Some more information. Who can you talk to to help or where can you find that info?
0: Yes, yes. I I, I just think it's really difficult, though, especially in the US to find that because wh- oh, what are you talking about? Is, well, in... I'm trying to do it in the US and in Vietnam. I'm trying to do them both simultaneously. See okay. which one's going to go first. Vietnam, I guess, one of the main difficulties is, is so Vietnam, they're divided into many, many districts. So I'm in um, the district I'm in. It's, um, there's a lot of English here. If You can just go out the door, speak English all day, everyone around you speaking English. It's easy. But there are other districts that Everything is completely in Vietnamese. And I've only been here for six months. I don't speak Vietnamese. I mean, I know a few phrases, but I don't speak or read Vietnamese. So sometimes an opportunity is in big letters right in front of me, but I don't know it. I just simply do not know this. So that's very difficult. And I hear a lot of people say, you know, a lot of, especially Westerners, you know, foreigners, they'll go abroad and you mainly have men that'll go abroad. A lot of women are more fearful of going abroad by themselves. So you always hear men say, date one of the locals, you know, that's a very good way. But what happens when you're married? Yeah,
1: that's not going to work for you. <laughs>
0: it doesn't work anymore. So, you so know. So it's
1: working on the Vietnamese oh, just, that's like, going to be an ongoing process, right?
0: Yes, yes, yes. But i after learning other languages, I know that this is a two-year process. Right. right. 22 years. You can't learn a language in, in six months.
1: You just and so let's, let's just focus on English for now in the, in that district. And yes. uh, but this
0: district I pretty much know pretty well now. Six months in one little district. You you basically figured it all out. And it's just um some of the people that probably I want to meet, they haven't exposed themselves to me. They just have
1: to, so we're passing each other, yeah maybe. and and I'm yeah, I'm thinking I'm leaving you can lead with a question then about to that point about how, okay, how do we come up with ideas then you know who is it that you want to meet and how can you well, instead of f- focusing on it as a problem, let's focus on it as a solution because the so, challenge is exposure
0: let's, exactly I think I think one of the the more how a business I can help and that can also help me, are the more local businesses that are looking to sell their their products. It can be service business, but products. And they're having difficulty selling in Vietnam because it's common in Vietnam. And sell that type of product to maybe the United States or China. That's where my
1: business opportunity lingers. Okay, okay. Often i found that just reflecting on then that solution and just marinating on that keeping that in going in your mind gives it a chance to work on a solution for you all right so being and the key is you got to be open to the possibility of of that solution coming in from wherever in whatever form okay and so the thing to reflect on is the best example i can give was a couple years back when Someone had crashed into my car uh, when it was parked, smashed up the back of it. We were trying to figure out, okay, how we were going to get this fixed and replaced. And they didn't have the money. They unfortunately had insurance. But what I focused on was, okay, the solution to this problem here is either I get a new car or I get the money for a new car to replace it. And they not trying to figure out like, okay, where's it going to come from? How is it going to happen? Of course I talked to the insurance company. I put the, you know, we went through that process and everything, but I didn't, I didn't try to figure it out I just defined what that solution was so that when it, you know, manifested itself, I would be open, you know, I'd be able to take advantage of that opportunity. Just like that guy that you talked to, he knew, even though he didn't have, he didn't know, how he was going to do it, he knew that, Hey, if you got the $5 million there and, and the invitation, I'll figure something out, you know? Exactly. And, yeah. So it's just, to, and that, uh, is not, doesn't always, you know, just happen automatically. You know, some people are probably more inclined to it, but you just kind of want to, you can kind of help yourself by just reflecting on that solution that I'm going to uh, connect with a business that has that problem that I can help. Uh, and it's going to happen. It's going to be effortless and it's going to, I'm going to be able to find a way to, exp- you know, I'm going to have. It's going to be because I was able to make myself exposed and put myself out there in a way so that people are coming to me instead of me having to try to chase someone down or get through a, an employee gatekeeper that doesn't get the opportunity. Okay. Yes.
0: Yes. All right. All right. I understand. I understand.
1: Yes, you're right about this gatekeeper situation. This is a huge problem. Yeah. That's your way around it is you're you're gonna create exposure, you're gonna attract the people to you. Exactly. Exactly. Business owners are practical, flexible, who love working on a problem, figuring it out, uh, pragmatic oriented, never starting with no. They always see a problem and think, okay, let's let's see how we can figure that out. You know, yes. always open to it, you know. And people that you love to work with and who are waiting for you to just come along and you know provide that opportunity so ruminate on that think on that and then see you know all week and then see what you know what comes up and i think you know eventually an idea will come to you but you just want to kind of just focus on i am i'm going to be this guy that knows business who understands how it works loves this age of Uh, the process loves working with business owners who are struggling to take and go to thriving and you know I'm going to be the kind of person that just attracts people to me and I'm going to yeah just planting that seed that's who I'm being you know
0: all right all right I will definitely reflect on that I will try to see if I can find a solution to that I think I'll try to speak with more people that I know See if they've ever uh, dealt with similar situation. How do they deal with it? If they did, and then hopefully I can create some type of ideal and hopefully I have good news for you next time.
1: Yeah, well, and it's it's not a matter of hope, but I think it's just just you're already doing it, right? You're having the conversations, and just yes. making sure that you're when you show up to those conversations, you're just showing up as hey, I'm the, I'm this guy. I'm ready for these opportunities to come wherever it can come from anywhere. But once I see it, I know it, and I'm going to jump on it because I've already kind of prepared myself to, you know, to take advantage
2: of that opportunity.
0: All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's really good.
2: Yeah. Cool. Cool.
1: And what if we had a conversation about your career?
2: Send an email to barricadekaloli at gmail.com. And thanks for listening.